a snapshot today of a man of God's life. His name happens to be Elijah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament. And you might say, oh man, I can, I can never identify with Elijah. I've heard a little bit about him. Well, I've got good news for you. James, the half-brother of Christ in the New Testament, said of this man, Elijah, that he was like you. Said he was a man of like passions as we are. So he is somebody we can identify. And I believe what you're going to identify with today is the fact that in this man's life, we're going to see him at the highest of heights and the lowest of low points. We begin, and it's sort of like Elijah comes like a lightning bolt out of nowhere. We don't read anything about his birth, about his family, but here we go. In 1 Kings 17, 1, uh, Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, now who is Ahab? Ahab is the king of God's people. He is the king of Israel. But there's an issue. The issue is this. He is known as wicked King Ahab. He's a bad dude. He is wicked. He should be leading God's people. He should be the example of how to serve God. But he has married a, an even more wicked person, and her name is Jezebel. Jezebel was an idol worshiper. She worships Baal, and here is the king of Israel who has become a Baal worshiper. So he is turned away from God. He is a Baal worshiper. He has built a temple to Baal. His wife has had the prophets of God killed. Now, here is this prophet coming to the king, and here's what he says. He said, as the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, so the man of God is saying to the king, listen, you've become a worshiper of Baal. One thing I know about your so-called God, you believe he controls the weather. Well, my God, the real God before whom I stand, he's going to show you because he's shutting the rain off, shutting the dew off, and it is not going to rain until I say so as a man of God. And so then once that word is delivered, God instructs Elijah, get out of here. And so he gets out of there and God takes him to a very remote area. So he's in this remote area and God gives him instruction. Because see, this drought is going to affect him. And so he says, I want you to go down to this area and I'm going to provide for you. I'm, you are going to drink water from this brook called Cherith, and I'm sending ravens, and they're going to bring you food in the morning and in the evening. They're going to bring you meat, and they're going to bring you bread. Now, so here's the man of God. He's delivered the word. Now he's down at this brook. And see, God's, God's word says this. God's ways are not our ways, nor are, are his thoughts our thoughts. What, what do you mean by that? Well, I don't know about you, but I feed birds. My dad fed birds, I enjoy birds, I feed birds. Never had a stinking bird feed me. All these years, they owe me. I don't get bird seed free. And so, wait a minute. He's not gonna feed birds. Birds are gonna feed him. Hello? But that's what's gonna happen. 
Because our God created the bird. Our God knows what he's doing. And he's going to drink from this brook called Cherith. Now, I want you to catch this. He's a man of God. Why a brook? Why not a lake? Why not a pond? That's bigger body of water. Why not a river? It's a brook. Sometimes God will call you to a brook. And you want a river or a lake or a pond. You've got to learn to appreciate the brook in your life. That's a word for somebody. And, and so here he is, and God is sure enough providing. The birds are coming, feeding them, the brook. But he's noticing something after a period of time. Weeks go by, months go by, and the Bible says the brook dried up. I used to work at General Motors Lordstown. I hired in right out of high school on my 19th birthday, August 7th, 1970. I hired in at General Motors Lordstown. And I worked there for about three and a half years. And during that time, I became a Christian. And I would say, as a Christian, God meets my needs. Right now, he's just using General Motors as the pipeline. But then there came a day where God called me to leave that job by faith. I came into ministry, and I lived by faith. I did not get a paycheck. I did not get a salary. I worked harder than I'd ever worked, and I lived by faith. And so here, here the brook is drying up. That, that source is ending. Can I tell you, God just doesn't have one source. So he says, he brings a second word. Say second word. See, he had had a first word from God, and he obeyed it. You will never get a second word from God if you refuse to obey the first word from God. He obeyed the first word, but there came a season within that word, and there always is. So he obeyed in the season of that word, and then God says this to him. Okay, God says, I'm going to send you over here to this other land, and I have provided a widow who's going to meet your needs. Now, God does unusual things. First of all, he uses a brook and ravens to meet the man of God's need. Now he's going to use a widow. She's just not any widow because the man of God gets there, and he gets to that country, and he's sitting down, and he sees this widow woman come by. There she is. And she's doing what? She's gathering sticks. So he says to her, would you bring me a, a little bit of something to drink? She said, sure enough. And, and so she brought him something to drink. And then he said to her, would you also give me something to eat? And she said, sir, you don't understand. I'm out here gathering a few sticks to make a fire because I am making our last meal. I only have a little wee bit of flour, a little wee bit of oil, and I'm making the last little meal for my son and for me, and then we're going to die. God sends a prophet from a dry brook to a poor widow. What's this about? God's ways are not our ways. There's no logic in this. If you sit there and you're just, just so spiritual, say, oh, bless God. I, I see the logic in this. No, you don't. Just shut up. You're not that spiritual. You know, the, you know what the rest of the story is, but just imagine for a moment that you don't know what's going on here. You say, pardon me, God. Uh, but your word, your word 
says we feed widows. Your word says that, not somebody else's word. Your word says our ministry, our job is to feed widows. Well, you're, you're going to use a widow, and you know what he did, of course. He said, make me some food first. Of all the gall. Listen, it's Father's Day. I'm going to be calling the guys up here in a few minutes as I close and, and, and just sort of be charging up the, the men to be men of God. But can I tell you guys, if we're standing over on the side, all the guys look at me right now. We're standing over on the side and we happen to overhear this old prophet telling this poor widow, give me some food first. Wayne, we're taking them out. Come on, come on. Who does he think he is? I mean, really, who does he think he is? But God had a plan. And he said, if you will make me some food first, I'm saying to you from God that your, your flour's never going to run out and that jar of oil's never going to go dry until it begins to rain on the earth. So she does it. And, and you know it, it doesn't run out and everything is good. Oh, God, look, look how good thing is. And then the boy dies. I, I love the word of God. Man, alive. Some people think the Word of God is boring. You, I don't know what Bible you're reading. I mean, this is like, man, th this, is, this is a story. The boy dies. She brings the boy to Elijah and sort of is miffed at God, miffed at him as a prophet. And, but God uses the prophet to resurrect this boy. It's the first resurrection in all of the Bible. So now the boy is, is living and, and now some Three years have gone by, and we get to 1 Kings chapter, chapter 18, and verse 1 and 2. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, and he said, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was severe famine in Samaria. Yeah, after three years of no, no rain, there's famine. And, and, and so we skip down to verse 17. Then it happened when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said to Elijah, Is that you, O troubler of Israel? It's amazing how wicked people, it's never their fault. They always have somebody to blame. He's blaming the prophet of God. And, and here's what happened. And Elijah answered and said, I've not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have. have in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal, the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So there's going to be a showdown. There's going to be a showdown. He said, you bring 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, and me. Me against you. Me against 850. And then the Bible says that in verse 21, and Elijah came to all the people, and he said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left a prophet of the Lord. 
But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Elijah felt alone. That can be a severe issue in any of our lives. But here he is, he's going up against these 450 prophets of Baal. So here's the plan. He says, here's what we're going to do. Your God is Baal. You claim that he controls the weather, but by the word of the Lord, it's not raining three years. So he's not doing so good on that. God is more powerful than Baal. But you also believe about your God, Baal, that he's the God of fire. So I'm going to make it easy for you. There's 450 of you, and your God is a God of fire. There's one of me. So let's put a sacrifice out between these gods. And whichever God answers by fire, and so I'm giving you 450 to 1, but I'm also saying your, your God is the God of fire. Certainly he knows how to make one. And the God who answers by fire will be God. And they agree. He said, you go first. There's 450 of you, but you go first. So they build this altar. Each of them do. The prophets of Baal, they build this altar. Elijah builds an altar. Twelve stones and all of this. And they said, you go first. And so 450 men, prophets of Baal, they begin to pray. It doesn't work. So they get louder. Doesn't work. They begin to scream. Doesn't work. They begin to cut themselves, the Bible says, till blood was gushing out. They begin to prophesy. They begin to jump up and down for between six and nine hours. That's a long time. Yeah, 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 this is a long prayer. I say this often, but listen, if you're ever, if you're at lunch today and somebody asks you to bless the food, would you bless the food? Would you not think that, oh, this is my opportunity, and if I pray long and pray loud, they will think that I'm, no, we'll think you're an income poop is what we'll think. We'll think you don't have a prayer closet, so you're trying to impress us. Every time I've ever been around anybody who does that, they always forget the food. <laughs> Honest to God, they hit the missionaries, cast out three demons, and, you know, and then, oh, plus the food, too. Elijah teases them a bit. He says to them, when nothing is happening, he said, uh, get louder. Perhaps he's sleeping. You're God. Uh, maybe he's in the other room. One version says maybe he's using the bathroom. <laughs> they get done, nothing happens. Elijah said, it's my turn. Elijah has to repair the altar because all of this commotion has torn down the altar. He gets the animal in place. He gets the wood in place. He gets 12 stones in place. He said, bring some water. They poured water all over it. Remember, they need fire, not water. He said, bring some more water. They water. They waterlogged this thing, and then Elijah prays a 63-word prayer. If you don't know, that's not a long prayer. He prays a 63-word prayer, and boom, fire falls from heaven. It doesn't only consume the animal sacrifice. It consumes the wood. Listen, it consumes the rocks. That's a serious fire. Say serious fire. Serious. 
Woo! Man, when, when, when rocks are getting consumed by heat, that's serious. It, lips, it, it licks up the water. And all of a sudden, the people that, that, were, that didn't know what side they're on, the people began to cry, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. But can I tell you something? They were impressed, but they were not changed. See, you can come to church and get excited. Amen. Bless God. And glory, glory. But we want to know. That's good. That's, that's wonderful. But then when you walk out of here, live different. When you walk out of here, become a person of the word. Become a person of prayer. So they were not really transformed. But here's what happened next. Listen to me. Here's what happened next. So all of this happens. And then Elijah hears something. It doesn't really say what he hears. Was it thunder? Maybe. Nobody else heard it. But he heard a sound. And he said this. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It's not rained in three years. You know, some of us have like sprinkle faith. You know, like, man, I'm, I'm up for a drop. But the man of God hears something. Can I tell you, people of faith hear something when others do not hear something. Yeah, others think you're crazy, but you hear a sound. Now, my wife and I, we hear a sound right now at Victory Christian Center. We hear a sound of God moving and doing something fresh. You say, I don't hear it. Oh, we not only hear a sound, it's a sound of abundance of rain. Not a little rain. Not not a short rain. The kind of stuff that was on this roof about half an hour ago that we couldn't hear type rain. And so he tells Ahab, Ahab, I know you're wicked. You don't deserve this. But out of mercy, you need to get out of here and go to higher ground. So he sends Ahab out. What does the man of God do? The man of God gets on his knees. And the Bible says he puts his head down between his knees. And he begins to pray. He's a servant there. And he tells his servant. He said, I want you to go and look out over the Mediterranean Sea. So the servant goes. Goes over. And I've been there to Mount Carmel. And I've seen the Mediterranean Sea. He looks out. And he's looking hard. Man of God has sent him here. Man, what am I supposed to be looking for? I don't see anything. He runs back. The man of God's praying. He says, what do you see? I don't see anything. Go again. Okay? So he goes again. He really looks even harder this You know what? Like peeling your eyes. You know, like you're screwing up your eyes. So you really see good, you know? Oh, man, I want to see something, but I don't see anything. He runs back. He said, I don't see anything. Go again. I want you to say that with me. Go again. Seven times. Church, we give up too easily. We don't have enough backbone, enough courage, enough guts. That when it seems like maybe it's not God's will. And we give up. We quit. We're not persistent. Can I tell you? There would not be eight campuses of Victory Christian Center if we gave up. We not only hit the wall, we broke through the wall because there were souls on the other side that needed Jesus.
Come on, give him praise. It's not just about you having victory. It's about the people on the other side who've never heard, never experienced, never had a breakthrough. So the seventh time he goes out and he looks out. Picture this. He looked out over an ocean, the Mediterranean Sea, and he's just about ready to run back and say, I don't see anything, Bill. And, and, and then he looks at him like, what, 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 is, what is that? What, I never saw anything like that. What? Oh, he, prophet ain't going to believe this. Okay, so he runs back. And the man of God says, wait, what do you see? Well, um, I saw something. What would you see? Um, coming up out of the sea. Yeah, what, 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 well, it was a cloud. Oh, good, good, good. Ah, uh, but it was the cloud about the size of a man's hand. That, that's like what comes out of your teapot, honey. Come on, look at, look at this. Look at my hand. Look at your own. You, if you ever see blue sky in one cloud the size of a man's hand, you probably aren't going to do what the prophet did. As soon as the prophet heard that there was a cloud the size, say it with me, of a man's hand, he tells Ahab, get out of here right now because we're going to have heavy rain. Can I tell you, there are some of you, you're waiting on the downpour before you have faith. And you need to get the kind of faith that all that is seen is a cloud the size of a man's hand. And you say, that's it. That's what I've been waiting for. We better run for safety because God is about ready to bring heavy rain. I'm amazed at the people who they, they want the downpour before they claim to have faith. No, you've got to have faith when you see next to nothing, but you proclaim, I see it, I hear it, it's coming. Here's what happened next. He told Ahab, get to higher ground. Get out of here now. You say, why did he do that? Ahab's wicked. Why didn't, he, why, why didn't he just miss that part of it and let the king die? Uh, you need to hear this. Because as a prophet of God, he knew that the king was wicked, but the king was king. We step into dangerous ground when we speak against authorities in place and we need to honor the place of the king, even when it's difficult to honor the king. So here's what happened next. The chariot of the king takes off. Now let me tell you, everybody look at me for a second. I know it's, listen, it's raining so hard out there, you don't want to go out in that anyways. Listen. <laughs> when you're the king, you got a cool chariot. Come on now. We go out in the parking lot today, but some of you got cool chariots out there. 
Man, we got some Mercedes and some Lexus and some this and Jaguars and, oh, man, that's a cool chair. And then some of us got the Pino, Yugo, <laughs> Vega. Hey, it got us here. Lord willing, get us home. But if you're the king, say if you're the king. You've got the chariot of chariots. Then you got, you got the good chariot. you got the best horses, right? You're the king. You got the best driver of the horses. So he takes off. He said, go fast. So here goes the chariot. King's chariot. It's moving. God tells the prophet. He's an old dude prophet. He's a robe prophet. He said, pull up your robe and begin to run. Where? To Jezreel. But God, Jezreel's 25 miles. Run, 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 old prophet. Could you imagine seeing this on YouTube? You're watching a YouTube thing, and here's this chariot, and it's going really, really fast. And wait a minute, rewind that, Josh. Well, what, what? Something just flew by that chariot. This is weird, but look like an old prophet holding up his robe and running really fast. And that, that's got to be, this might be computer generated or something. You know, roll, roll that back. So Joshua goes back to slow it down. God enabled an old prophet to outrun the king's chariot 25 mile run. You say, that is so cool, man. Is the story over? No, almost. He gets to Jezreel, and the word comes from the wicked queen Jezebel. You killed my prophets, and tomorrow about this time, you're a dead man. When he heard that, as tired as he was from running, he runs off into the desert. He leaves his servant behind. Everybody listen to me. There's a danger in being alone in the wilderness. There's a difference between choosing solitude, which I, I have to have my solitude. As much as I love my wife, as much as I love family, as much as I love the team around me, I've got to have solitude alone with God. That's solitude. That's a choice. Isolation is dangerous. Say that with me. Isolation is dangerous. He's isolated. He went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he finds a tree. The Bible calls it a broom tree. It is literally like a shrub. It's not a big oak tree. It's not a weeping willow tree. It's like a shrub, very little shade. He gets under the shade of that tree, and he prays another prayer. But this prayer sounds different. In this prayer, he said, God, I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't go another day. I, I'm, I'm weary. I'm worn out. I'm tired. I'm no better than my relatives who've already died. Please, just take my life. Take me home. That was his prayer. Once he prayed that, he laid down, and he fell asleep. The tired prophet 
who had just seen a miracle of fire from heaven, is worn out. He's sleeping, and an angel comes and taps him. He wakes up, sees the angel, sees at his head a jar of water and some food provided by the angel. And the angel says this, arise and eat. And he does. He drinks, he eats. Listen, he falls back asleep. You've got to be really tired when you're in the presence of an angel. And you say, Mr. Angel, I know I've never seen one of you before. You're really cool looking, but I am, I am just stinking tired. Good night. And he falls back asleep. Second time, Angel taps him, wakes up. He says, rise and eat. There's, there's some water, there's some food, but the angel says something more this time. You need to hear this. The angel says, arise and eat, for the journey ahead of you is too hard for you. Wow. There's somebody in this room, there's somebody listening to me right now that God is desperately trying to speak to you and provide for you and feed you spiritually, even in this message. And what you do not know is that the journey ahead of you, He is providing some water and some nourishment for you right now. Don't refuse it. Because the journey ahead is too hard for you. So then He goes on this journey, 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water. We end with this. He finds himself on the mountain of God. You say, oh, it ends well. Well, stay with me. It was the mountain of God. It was the same mountain that Moses got the Ten Commandments from God. But there's an issue. The issue is this. The man of God, Elijah, is on the mountain of God but he's hidden in a cave. See, you can be in revival, atmosphere. You can be in the presence of worship. Worship this morning. Golly, we went somewhere. But you can be in the middle of that and feel like you're hidden in a cave. You see other people experiencing blessing and breakthrough. It's, man, I'm happy for them, but I'm, I'm in a cave. God speaks to him, and God says, Elijah, what are you doing here? When God asks a question, it's not because he needs an answer. He already knows. When God asks you a question, it's because you need to know the answer. So he said, Elijah, why are you here? He said, I'm alone. I, I've, been, I've been faithful to you. And I'm the only one left, and I can't take it anymore. So then God does something. God sends a wind. Not just any wind. This wind is so strong, it breaks the rocks up. And he sends a fire. Wow. God's fire. Then he sends an earthquake. Wow. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says God sent the wind, but he was not in the wind. 
God sent the fire, but he was not in the fire. God sent the earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake. Can I tell you, not everything God does is God in. You've got to know the difference between what God's hand does and who his heart is. Too many people only want God's hand. God, do your stuff. Show me the miracle. Do the stuff. And God does. But see, what God really wants is for you to come to the place of this next thing. Because after the fire and after the wind and after the earthquake, the Bible says there was a still, small voice. A whisper. A whisper. Let me tell you something about whisper. When you whisper, you don't have a microphone on. I can't whisper to the person in the last row. They'll never hear me. I've got to whisper. Whispers take closeness. as his children to be enamored by the wind and the fire and the earthquake. He doesn't want to impress us. He wants intimacy with us that he can whisper. You, you say, oh boy, once he got that whisper, boy, then he was good. I wish he was. But here's what happened. He heard God's whisper, and then God said after this, he said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he said the same statement exactly. I'm alone. I've been faithful. Everybody else has deserted you. Same statement. And so God did this. God said, okay, I get it. You're worn out, you're weary, you're tired. I want you all to stand, but I'm going to ask in these statements right now, I'm going to ask every man who would, would you come up front right now? I want to say some words to you before we have the prayer team come, and before we say the blessing, I want men to come as close as you can. I want you to hear this as the men come. Not every problem is spiritual. Elijah, do you think it was just incidental that in Elijah's state of depression, men, please come on over. Don't just fill that out. Come on over here, please. Thanks. Thank you. The man of God is depressed, discouraged. But he's worn out spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally, John. Not just one area. Think of what he's done. He's an old man. He just had spiritual warfare, caught fire from heaven, saw great victory, killed the prophets of Baal. Then he ran 25 miles out running a chariot. He's, he's just done. 
We call it the Elijah syndrome in leadership. I teach pastors that sometimes after your greatest victory, when you are on the mountaintop, you better be prepared. Because the Elijah syndrome is that when you have exerted that much spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, it's probably going to be a letdown. Why? Because you're still human. See, God uses human beings. Elijah never quit being a human being. Guys, what I want you to hear, you beat yourself up so much because from time to time you're discouraged, you're depressed, you're tired, you're, you, don't, you just know that, oh man, I, I, I'm blowing it, I'm not doing well, and you want to give up, and I'm saying to you today, don't you dare give up. You might be underneath a, a broom tree in the wilderness and want to die. Don't you quit. You know what he needed? He needed sleep and he needed nourishment. I've got a doctor, two, three, four, five doctors in this room. And can I tell you, sometimes when we're going through issues and we think, oh, it must be the devil. I rebuke you, devil. I, yeah. And really, it's not spiritual. It's physical. Or it's emotional. Or it's mental. Or it's all of the above. So we're not just spiritual beings. I, I went on a retreat years ago to a place I stayed in a mobile. No, it wasn't a mobile home. Those are nice. It was a trailer. There's a difference. I've been in both. I've lived in a mobile home and I've lived in a trailer. This was a trailer. No running water, no electricity. Big old hump in the middle of the hallway where I went there to pray. Listen to me. I went about two hours away pastoring this church and I need to pray. I went there. I could not stay awake. I'd read my Bible and begin to pray. I'd fall asleep. Oh, I'm so sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'd go back to reading the Bible and probably oh, fall asleep. I was there about 24 hours and slept probably 18 or 20. And for driving home, I thought, oh, what a waste. This was horrible. I, Lord, I'm so sorry. I didn't really. And the Lord spoke this to me. He said, do you remember my servant Elijah? When, when he was worn out, I didn't give him another prayer meeting. I gave him rest and I gave him nourishment. Not every issue is spiritual. And, and here's, here's what I want you guys to hear. What God did next for Elijah is an indication of the goodness of Father's heart. He didn't say, Elijah, you're such a loser. You're so pathetic. Man, I thought I could trust you. He didn't. See, God is a good, good father. The Bible says that God knows that our frame is made of dust. And here's what he did. He said, Elijah, if I could paraphrase, he said, Elijah, I get it. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go set these two different kings in place. I want you to go throw your mantle on Elijah and disciple him and mentor him and raise him up because I get it. You've gone as far as you can go. 
And you say, well, then what happened next? Well, this man who wanted to die, this man that Jezebel wanted to kill, never died. Never died. He's one of the only two men in all of the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, never died, Enoch and Elijah. Elijah got caught up in a chariot of fire. And in the New Testament, when God had a moment of time where Jesus Christ was transfigured in front of his three disciples, two other men showed up with the glorified Jesus. Who were they? Moses. Oh, you say, that, that doesn't surprise me, Moses, boy. That. The other one was Elijah. You said, well, but time out, preacher. You mean that discouraged prophet who sat in the shade in the desert and said, I can't take it anymore, take my life? That, that man who, who just seemed to come to a place that he was so, so low that he couldn't go on, that God elevated him that he not only never died, he went to heaven in a chariot of fire, but he showed up with Jesus and Moses. Yes, brothers, look at me. Don't you ever give up. Don't you ever quit. You might be down. You might be in the wilderness. You might say, I can't take it anymore. God can handle your words. But don't you quit. Don't you give up. And men, last thing before I send you back to your seat. There was an old man that we usually know as a young man. His name was Joshua. We know about him being a young man and being the general and leading them into the promised land. But you may not know this. There came a day where Joshua stood in front of the people of God and he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't know who you're going to serve, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you know how old Joshua was? 110 years old. He wasn't a young dude anymore. I'm not a young dude anymore. But I'm a general, and I'm telling every man under the sound of my voice, there's more man in you than you're letting on. You let it rise up. You need to be the ones in worship going after God. You need to be the ones who have a fight in you. You need to know what to use your fight on. Man, I love you. One of the things I love about being a man, being a guy, it's not about the world's type of being a guy, just chewing tobacco and big, rough and ugly. It's not about that. But there has to be a backbone. There has to be courage. And what I'm saying to you, you've got it. Quit denying it. Stand up as a man. Say as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God. Quit buying the lie of the enemy. Can you give these men a good hand? We love you. We bless you. Could you go ahead on back to your seats? Wow. Thank you, men. Can we all remain standing? As they are going back to their seats, I'm going to ask that the prayer team that helps us pray around the altar, if you would come right now. Folks, look at me. Look at me today. I have preached like a man with his hair on fire today. Intentionally. This burns in me. 
things in me. And I've got to tell you, we are right at a breakthrough point. Don't miss it. Don't get satisfied. Don't, don't, I don't care your age. Young, old, middle-aged. You, you say, well, I'm going through this, I'm going through that. Go through it then. Like someone once said, if you're ever going through hell, don't stop. Keep going. Too many people go through hell and they stay there. Don't get stuck. Keep going. You'll make it through. You really will. You say, well, but the devil's telling me this. The devil told you last battle you'd never make it through, and you did. Honey, if you would come, please. I apologize. I've gone a couple minutes later than I intended to. But I will be honest with you. I don't. My apology is a weak one. It is. I'm a sports guy. Man, when a game goes into extra innings or overtime and it's exciting, I don't turn the TV off. And that's the most exciting part. We go five minutes over and we say, well, you know, let's, perhaps it was the one thing God wanted to do the most. As we speak the blessing over you today, if you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ, if you've never been born again, you need to give your heart to him. God loved you so much. He gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you in your place. Jesus didn't come to establish religion. He came to forgive your sins and give you new life. All you need to do is step over that line, surrender your heart, call Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and he'll come and live inside of you, and he'll change you. He'll enable you to repent, to turn away from the way you've been living. He'll become the Lord of your life. This was like a Holy Ghost buffet today. I don't know what part you're going to eat, but have something you're taking away with you. We're, we're, we're providing takeaway boxes today for all of you, not for her candy. You know what, buffets, they don't, get, they don't let you take food away. We're letting you take it away because you need a takeaway today. Would you keep your heart open, your eyes open? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name which is above every name, the most powerful name in the universe, we speak today over your life. We speak against discouragement and depression. We speak against the lies of the enemy that have been trying to get you to quit. You are a winner, not a loser. You are someone who finishes, not someone who just starts. He who has begun a good work in you, he will complete that work until the day of Jesus Christ. Rise up, O oh man of God. Rise up, O oh woman of God. As you leave this service today, you put your shoulders back. You put your head up high. You go out of this building today having value, worth, and dignity. And then not only for you, but go and give value, worth, and dignity to every person that you meet. We bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, come on up. You need to meet the Lord. You need healing. Whatever you need, come on. Get prayer.